Before I left for Las Vegas, some of you told me what I could expect. The lights at night were beautiful, the sweetness of the little wedding chapel, the extravagance of the premier hotels and casinos. Before I left for Las Vegas, any stories I might have told about that city would have been your stories. They would have been others' stories. They would not have been my experience because I was not a witness until last week. Las Vegas is unique, unlike any city I've ever visited. Being there changed me, igniting in me thoughts, questions, hopes for our world, ideas. Having been there compels me to look at human hungers and why we seek to fill those hungers with lust, competition, or gluttony instead of God. Being in Las Vegas changed me. Now, more important than a unique city, Easter is a unique event in world history. And one question for today is, whose story is it? Most of us have heard stories of faith from people we know about how they felt Jesus' presence during a difficult time, or how others' prayers got them through a health crisis, or how the actions of a Christ follower preached a better sermon than any preacher. And while these stories inspire us, they are not our stories. When the stories belong to others, there's a distance, an inability to grasp that reality, like I truly couldn't comprehend the enormity of the hotels on the Las Vegas Strip until I had been there and walked through them for a half an hour. Jesus' early disciples had experiences with Jesus that we now call resurrection appearances. The story immediately preceding today's narrative in Luke tells how two, pe- two disciples were walking on the road from Jerusalem to Emmaus that first Sunday morning. They came across a man they didn't recognize who appeared clueless about all the activities of Jerusalem in the previous days. What things? The man asked. And Cleopas, one of the two men, said, the things about Jesus of Nazareth and how our leaders put him to death on a cross. And now there are some people who are saying that he's risen, but we haven't seen him. So far, the stories were not their own. The stories belonged to the women and the men, but not these two. The stranger walking on that stretch of road responded in a way that would not engender a listening ear to most of us. He said, oh, how foolish you are. (laughs) That's something we want to hear from a stranger, isn't it? How foolish you are and how slow of heart you are to believe all the things that the prophets have declared. I imagine him saying, I mean, we've had 800 years of this stuff. What's wrong with you? Was it not necessary, he said, that the Messiah should suffer these things and then enter into his glory? And then, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted all the things to himself 
about the scriptures, all the things about himself in the scriptures. Sorry. So about 7 p.m., it's evening, and the two men and their new, now talkative companion arrive at Emmaus. And when they settle in for dinner, the stranger takes bread, blesses it, breaks it, and gives it to them. And we're told their eyes were opened. And they recognized him, and then he was gone. He vanished from their sight. And they said to each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while he was talking to us on the road, while he was opening the scriptures to us? Now they were witnesses. Now they had their own story. And so now, late at night, in dangerous roads, seven miles from Jerusalem, they take off back to the town that crucified their Savior. They had to tell the others. Now, I expect your experience of encountering Jesus is not quite so extreme. I could be wrong. I'd love to hear about it sometime. But most of us have an experience of encountering Jesus if we explore our memories and our experiences. We've got lots of stories we can tell through the Bible, and they're great stories. But they're not our stories. So what's your story about meeting Jesus? Have you told it to anyone? And if so, when was the last time you told it? And if you haven't told it, what has kept it inside of you? Why have you kept it hidden? Our hotel room in Las Vegas looked out on the airport, toward the airport. We could see out there from early morning to late at night, planes landing or taking off or both. I think about every moment of the day. And each of those planes represented several hundred people coming to experience Sin City. And they would go home then to tell their experiences to their friends. And as I reflected on how many people come to that city and and go and tell their experiences, I, I feel a little bit ashamed because I've already talked more since I got back from Vegas about my experiences there, but then I think about how little I talk to people outside the church about my experiences of faith. Do you find that's true for you too? Why are we so fearful to talk about our faith experiences? Well, Jesus comes into this room where people are anxious and fearful And the first thing he says is, peace be with you. What a gift. Among all the anxieties, all the things that make our muscles tighten up, all the worries that roll around in our minds, Jesus says, peace, shalom be with you. And it's not just an individual peace. It's a wholeness that only God can give. Peace be with you. And we're told that the disciples were startled and terrified and saw and thought that they were seeing a ghost. 
And so Jesus proves to them that he's not a ghost by asking for something to eat. And so it goes into his mouth and they don't watch it drop to the floor. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And then he said to them, these are Luke's words, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Does that sound like the previous passage about what he said to the two men on the way to Emmaus? And then to them as well, he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, thus it is written that the Messiah is to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem, the holy city, the city where the people crucified him. You are witnesses of these things. Now it's your story. Bring to your mind's eye the faces of people who have been witnesses to you of their faith. Do you see parents, grandparents, Sunday school teachers, coaches, other teachers? If we don't talk about our faith experiences, the world will not know that they are forgiven. And that is a woeful state of mind and heart. Several years ago, a high school student visited our worship service, and when I invited her to talk, she wanted to come to the office, and she confessed that she and her boyfriend had done something that she was ashamed of and didn't think that God could forgive her for. And we talked then about confession and repentance and forgiveness, and we prayed And she walked away with the beginnings of peace. Never saw her again. And so I pray that that was enough, that she just had to experience and and hear somebody else remind her that she is forgiven, that she has repented, and God loves her. We pray that whenever we pray the Lord's Prayer, asking for God's forgiveness. When we are not witnesses verbally or in action to repentance and God's forgiveness, why wouldn't we try to satisfy our hungers in Sin City? What harm is there in living for the thrill of the moment, even though that thrill soon fades away? Our hungers sure get us in trouble sometimes. One comfort for me is that in verse 48, our last for today's passage, Jesus uses the plural you. You are witnesses of these things. Together we have experienced the risen Christ, and together we can proclaim that repentance and forgiveness And I think it's worth asking then, why were these the most important things that Luke's Jesus wants us to remember? The Messiah is to suffer. The Messiah is to be raised on the third day. Repentance and forgiveness of sins 
And in, in this version and other versions too, it's singular. It goes together. Not repentance and forgiveness of sins are to be preached, but repentance and forgiveness of sins is to be preached. You hear the difference? They, they go together. Repentance and forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed in his name to all nations, and forth you are witnesses of these things. Jesus doesn't tell us to seek justice here. He doesn't tell us to care for the poor and the orphans and the widows. He doesn't tell us to share shalom, to remember him through communion or to pray the Lord's Prayer. He launches us to be witnesses of his suffering, his resurrection, and repentance and forgiveness. Tell the story of your encounters with the God who conquers a suffering and conquers death and forgives our sins. Years ago when I was with others training to be a two-year missionary, one of our exercises was to choose from among various scripture passages or anyone we wanted and to work with one of our fellow trainees to witness to them and to, to bring them to Christ. And I remember I chose this passage in Ephesians about grace, and I was uncomfortable with this exercise. And, and so then afterwards, we were supposed to um, critique each other gently. And, and so I got gentle critiques, but basically I still understood that I had failed miserably. And as I thought about this passage today and whose stories we tell, I realized I wasn't telling my story. And that's why I failed. But when it comes to my encounter with Jesus, if I can tell that story, then it's so much more authentic. And people might actually want to listen. And my life can be transformed as perhaps could someone else's. I, I encountered Jesus at a church when I was in college. Like most collegians, I skipped church for mostly the first two years and a half. And someone invited me to, um, to sing with a group with the Baptist Student Union. And so I started doing that, and then I started, started feeling guilty about not going to church. And so I started going back to church. And, and one day, and I don't remember what led up to it, but I remember I was standing on the side of the sanctuary, which was not usually the side that I sat at, so I must have been in conversation with somebody before or after church. And there was just this sudden, like a shower of realization that washed over me that said, think about all that Jesus has done for you. Don't you owe him something in return? And that's, that's the closest thing that I think I've come to as a a conversion experience, an Emmaus Road experience. And it wasn't like I, I sensed that Jesus was beside me, telling me something. I just realized the sacrifice that he had made for me and the fact that I then owed him something in return. Now, you have a story, and lots of people are hungering to hear your story of faith. So I encourage you, go tell it. Go tell it. Let's pray. God of love and God of power, and again, the God who breaks down fears, we 
pray for your courage as we seek to follow you and do what you call us to do. Launch us from this place to share the story of you, your love, and your forgiveness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.